0: Hey, I'm talking to all you football fans who want every live game every Sunday afternoon but can't get DirecTV because you live in an apartment or big city. Your prayers have been answered. Now you can stream NFL Sunday Ticket on your favorite devices, no satellite required. Get every live out-of-market game every Sunday afternoon. Go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv now to see if you're eligible and make 2020 your best season ever. Pro tip, use promo code Ringer at checkout to save 15%. Today's episode is brought to you by Heineken. Heineken's original lager is made with pure malt and their famous A yeast, which makes Heineken an all season, all the time kind of beer. I love Heineken. I've been drinking it all during the NBA playoffs. It's the perfect summer beer, but it's also the perfect fall beer. And I just, there's never not a time to crack open a Heineken and watch sports. Pick up a pack or have it delivered today and drink responsibly. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined today for a very fun show by Noah Prince, Yadi, Kalen Jones, and Danny Kelly, all of the ringer.com. Purpose of this episode is to get on the record for our picks for the 2020 season. Every division winner, wild card team, Super Bowl participants, and winner. Uh, one housekeeping note, we recorded this at the beginning of the weekend. We did not know at that point that Jadebian Clowney was going to be a Tennessee Titan, signing a one-year deal worth up to $15 million. Uh, luckily, we baked in some of the Clowney possibilities into the show. You will hear that. Because we talked about him a bit in the New Orleans Saints section, it's important to note that their quest to sign Clowney, even though they didn't have the money to do so, might be the highlight of the football weekend. So the NFL Network reported that the uh, the Saints were going to find a middle team, middle man, middle team, whatever you want to call it, likely the Cleveland Browns. They referred to them as Team X in the report. And Team X was going to sign Clowney, pay him $5 million, trade him to the Saints. The Saints were going to give him the rest, about $10 million. And the Saints were going to ship a draft pick to Team X. This is very Saints. If you took the names out of this report, you'd probably guess that it was the Saints and the Browns who were talking about this. The Browns, obviously, under a different regime to the Brock Osweiler trade, which was a similar pick for, for cash relief trade, although extremely different than um, this scenario, but still kind of the same, the, the same genre of trade um unfortunately, for for all of us, the NFL said that they probably wouldn't have approved the deal at least on Sunday. Uh, who knows how that changes going forward? The good news is is that all of our jokes about the Saints that we made at the beginning of the weekend in this show about their cap creativity and how they move money around uh, those age very well. So anyway, onto the show. Joined today by Danny Kelly, Kalen Jones, and Noah Princiati for our NFL Predictions episode. Danny, Messi staying at Barcelona. Are you shook?
1: It's amazing. It's amazing news. I don't follow European soccer or well any soccer really, but
0: that's why I asked you. I just wanted it's to get your, your take. He stayed. I was,
1: I was very shocked when he when he threatened to leave, and then se- seems it like contract. they made up.
0: <laughs> no, it was that he has a contract clause, so now he's just sitting in his house giving interviews and dropping heaters on the president of <laughs> of, the, of the team. It's uh, it's a good situation. All right. Very fun, very cool episode that that we love doing every year. We're just going to pick every division and the Super Bowl participants and the winner. Uh, I think we should just get right into it. I don't think there's uh, a lot of complications here. We will start with maybe, maybe the most complicated division during all of this. It's the AFC East who have the greatest coach in history, a quarterback who at his peak is one of the most talented players in football, but we don't know how close to his peak he is. A rebuilding Dolphins team that won some games that it shouldn't have. And the Buffalo Bills, very good roster. The New York Jets, who are the New York Jets. Nora Princiati, who's winning this division?
2: The Buffalo Bills.
0: Kalen Jones. The Buffalo Bills. Danny Kelly. Oh, I got the Bills, too. Holy cow. Oh, this my is God. We're so weak. <laughs> we are such weak people. We're all, all right.
2: We're going to if we all vaporize into mist, it was Bill Belichick. I just, you know,
0: oh, everyone. my God. Exactly. Yep. We all had to hold hands here and jump to not pick the Patriots. This is us. This is solidarity here. Noah uh, you know, this division better than anybody. What's the tiebreaker between the Patriots and the Bills for you?
2: Well, you know what? I'm not going to say whether or not the opt-outs were really the thing that did it for me. They were, because for, they again, were for me, but we'll get to I'm that. I'm trying trying not to be pulverized, in, pulverized into mist, but the combination of the fact that two good defenses between the Patriots and the Bills, right? But the Bills relied a lot less heavily on turnovers than the Patriots did. So seemingly already less of a candidate for some defensive regression there. And then you add in how badly the Patriots got hit with the opt-outs and point bills.
0: Kalen Jones, same question. Tiebreaker between those two teams.
3: Um, I think it's just the small difference between Josh Allen being a below average quarterback yeah. to an average quarterback. If you look at his statistics, it's crazy. Like career, he is... So last year he went 9-0 in games where he completed 60% or more of his passes. And... For his career, he's 4-12 and 12 when he misses that mm. mark, when he completes under 60% of his his passes. So literally just a marginal increase in literally completion percentage. I mean, that that's a very <laughs> small stat to really care about. But I mean, literally, just Josh Allen taking a very small step. I don't think you can overstate how much that can help the Buffalo Bills as far as, you know, again, competing with the Patriots. We saw they pushed them last year and for all the points that Nora mentioned. Like, I think that the Bills have the roster for it. I think this is their time. That's the point for me,
0: is the Bills have the roster for this. And when I think about these two teams, and again, I would not be surprised if the Patriots were the third best team in the AFC this year. Nothing the Patriots can do can surprise me. But if I'm running this, and if I'm doing the Doctor Strange one billion simulations thing, I've seen what this Bills team looks like with Josh Allen playing like Josh Allen. Even if he doesn't get better, We've seen them be pretty good because they have a pretty good roster, an offensive coordinator who knows how to put Josh Allen in vaguely position to succeed. I think Brian Dable is a very good offensive coordinator. I think that Stefan Diggs' addition is huge. And I just think if there's nothing, nothing that happens. And I, when I look at how to predict the season, I look at what has to go right, what's the pathway, do they need 20 things to go right, do they need 1,000 things to go right, and how likely is that? The quarterback position being a huge thing that has to go right for for New England, and I think that, you know, again, the the roster is just not there after the opt-outs. The defense is always going to be there because of Belichick, but it's just not going to be the same level of talent. So I've seen Buffalo and what this can look like. I have not seen New England and what this can look like. And and I trust Bill Belichick to, I mean, the, the most ridiculous narrative of this season was that the Patriots are to tank. they were going to get Trevor Lawrence. Like, no, Bill Belichick is going to game plan every single week. And even if you think, even if this team starts out like, you know, two and four or whatever and looks bad they're still going to be the biggest threat to any team in the nfl because they have bill belichick and they have a decent baseline of talent it's just i don't think over 16 games they're going to win more games than buffalo bills danny kelly in general how competitive is this division do you expect anything out of the dolphins and jets
1: i don't really have high hopes for the jets i think the dolphins are one of those teams that you know they're well coached they they Definitely finished strong last season. I think they well outplayed expectations last year with Fitzpatrick at the helm. Like anything can happen. I mean, that guy is just the most entertaining, like veteran journeyman cornerback I've ever seen in in, in NFL history. So <clears throat> they've been hit hard by injuries. Yeah, and I don't think they're you know they had a couple guys opt out too, and so you know their offense could definitely struggle. So I would say. It's a. It's not like an especially competitive division, but I think at the top, I, at the Bills and the Patriots is very close for me. It's a hard decision to make and not to give anything away, but I, I do think the Patriots are also going to make the playoffs. So, you know, I, I wouldn't expect a whole lot from the Dolphins and Jets this year, though.
0: I expect competitiveness and interesting play from the Dolphins, kind of like an elevated version of what we saw last year, where they won games they shouldn't have and yeah. looked interesting and did interesting things. And, and we're building something. <laughs> and that's what I think is important for the Dolphins. You're not trying to win 10 games this year. I think the Buffalo Bills have the capability to win 12 games. Everything breaks right. And I think the 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 Patriots are probably a 9 or 10 win team. But mm-hmm. I think that the the Dolphins have the chance to win, I don't know, 7 and be the hype team for, for 2021. Uh, Nora Princiati. Same question about the Jets, the Dolphins. Is there anything there?
2: Uh, dolphins are frisky. There is nothing there with the Jets.
0: <laughs> Kalen Jones, how good are the Bills, just in general, in the AFC pecking order? Are they the fourth best team for you? Fifth best team for you? What? Where does this? Where does the division winner here
3: rank among the AFC hierarchy for you? I think honestly, if whoever wins the AFC East, I think they could end up being the third seed. Like I, I don't see how Buffalo. Ends up being worse than whoever comes out of the AFC self. if we're presuming that, you know, uh, Baltimore or uh, Kansas City are h- hitting those one two spots. So,
0: yeah, I agree. Uh, Danny, Buffalo, any chance of a Super Bowl path for them?
3: I mean, sure. Yeah. I think
1: when you have a defense that can set that foundation in a game and compete with literally any team in the NFL, um, if you're going up against the Chiefs, man, you need a defense. They have a very, very good secondary. Um, so, sure, I give them a chance. Are, you know, they're not my favorite in this in this conference, but I certainly think that they're going to be very competitive. If And we talked about this before. If Josh Allen can make a jump, anything is possible with this team. Uh, that's a great stat, uh, Kalen, that you that you put out yeah. earlier. Just like the marginal increase in per, uh, completion percentage <laughs> like could be enough. Like that is it's just it one of those crazy. He's stuff.
3: 11 and 0 when he <laughs> completes 60 percent of his passes. You guys crazy. are you guys
2: are making me <laughs> wince because. Completion percentage is just like such a tense, yeah. triggering word in Buffalo. Like, <laughs> we're going to get some responses.
1: It doesn't matter. It doesn't actually matter. But like, yeah.
0: Completion percentage doesn't matter. Doesn't I matter, mean, like, but no,
1: like two I think percentage points, but yeah.
0: Oh, right. No, no. I get that. That that part doesn't necessarily matter. But we'll put a pin in that. OK, Buffalo <laughs> is the betting favorite <laughs> at this point. They're plus one ten. Uh, New England is anywhere from 135 to 150 I think and that's fairly recent um, obviously the Patriots opened up as huge favorites um, in the springtime and that has has flipped but it's, it's still pretty similar and up till recently I could New England was the favorite in some books but that seems to not be the case anymore all right AFC North there's a Super Bowl contender in this division there's a Interesting. I was going to say frisky Steelers team, but I don't think that's necessarily it because I think that there's there's some pathways there for them to be in real contention. A Cleveland team that we all think is much improved. And then Joe Burrow, who is uh, as intriguing a rookie as there is. Interesting division. I don't think we're going to have much of a variance on the pick here. Danny Kelly. I'm going with the Ravens. Nora. Ravens. Kalen Jones. Ravens. Danny, I'm gonna need you to pick the, the bangles or something and just defend it. All right. No, we're, we're gonna have some. We're gonna have some real arguments here. But
2: Danny also already dropped completion percentage doesn't matter on this podcast, <laughs> so let's not pretend that we're not courting controversy.
0: So here are the odds: uh, Baltimore minus 185, Cincinnati plus 1600, Cleveland plus 450, Pittsburgh plus 375. Danny, if I'm thinking of a threat to Baltimore in this division, am I thinking Cleveland or Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh.
1: I actually. If I was going to pick a hierarchy in sort of the AFC overall, so I think the Steelers might be the third best team. I think that I they agree have that. they have a very good defense, a lot of good, you know, a good pass rush, good secondary. Um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick does a lot of stuff for them in, in that secondary, and I think that their offense is going to come back strong this season with Roethlisberger as long as he can stay healthy. You know, so yeah, I mean, to me, this team with literally the worst offense in the NFL last year, which finished eight and eight, you know, that just gives them a really, really high floor and a really high ceiling, getting that offense kind of back on track. So uh, yeah, I think that they could end up really challenging for the division. And I think that, you know, just right now I see them as the third best team in this conference.
2: Big Ben also keeping, keeping the player X slimmed down over the offseason brand <laughs> of training camp pipe alive,
0: which is actually quite rare. He's actually quite rare for Ben. He normally kind of leans into his his bendum. <laughs> his,
2: bend his big bendum. There's Yeah. smaller um, bend, I guess.
0: Right. So, a lot of things point to the Steelers being pretty good this year. Number one is that I keep coming back to this. They had the fourth biggest drop in offensive DVOA in the history of DVOA. Um and they still went 8-8. Eight and eight. And I think that you learn a lot about your team when you go through a season without your quarterback. And I think generally this is going to be a continuity season and the Steelers have that on both sides of the ball except they're adding their quarterback. So I think there there's there's some real 10, 11, 12 win potential here. Kalen Jones Cleveland or Pittsburgh.
3: Uh, I agree, Pittsburgh. Uh, and for the reasons you guys mentioned, obviously Big Ben is, you know, the biggest name in that offense, but they also added e- Eric Ebron. I think that this offense, the passing game is going to be a lot more interesting this year. We'll be able to see like what the potential of the Steelers passing game is without Antonio Brown there with Ben Roethlisberger back. And I think it's really intriguing, especially within that that the vision. you know, even though you have the Ravens presumably at the top. I think, like Danny said, like, they're probably the third best team in the AFC. And at their peak, they'll be able to push everybody.
1: I'm just looking at sharp football analysis right now. Sharp football stats has the Steelers with the easiest uh, schedule in terms of defensive efficiency of opponents. So that's Also, another like really major thing there. They have the seventh, they have the seventh easiest schedule according to Vegas forecasted season win totals. So, yeah, that's working in their favor as well. I mean, the Ravens also have very easy schedule. So, um.
0: they've all got so the the Browns, the Browns have an easy schedule. Mm -hmm. And I think, am I going to have to make the case to the Browns or Nora? Do you have to, do you have a case?
2: (laughs) I do not have the case for the Browns. Okay. I I have a case for the Browns. Yes,
0: And it's it's a sum (laughs) of everything I've been saying the last couple of months, which is that we're always a year too early on team instead of a year too late. And Interestingly, I was talking to the PFF guys, George Narek, the other day, and they made the case that maybe we're doing that with Dallas this year. Just a thought. Just a thought. But I think that Cleveland, we completely ignored when we all got on the hype train and we all got on the hype train. We all got on the hype train. If you say you didn't get on the hype train, you're lying to yourself. You were on the hype train last year with Cleveland. Didn't have the offensive line, didn't have the coach. Just we we got blinded by the roster talent. And there's a thousand reasons teams win games, and general you know amount of blue chip players on the roster uh, isn't isn't the be all end all. And so mistakes were made on that hype train. But I think that generally they're much improved. Andrew Barry is a good GM. I like the the moves they made to sort of again you when you are bad. You learn things about your team. And Andrew Barry came in and got to plug the holes that were revealed over the season, hire a really good coach in Kevin Stefanski. So I think they're in the mix for the last wild card team. Nor Princiati, why don't you have a case for the Browns?
2: So I didn't hear anything you said after blinded by the hype train because I was just going like, blinded by the yeah. hype train. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's not that I can't make the case for the Browns, right? I mean, I've, I've talked up Miles Garrett to to the end of nowhere this whole offseason. I think that there's obviously a lot of talent there. I just simply think that they're the third best team in their division.
0: Does anyone think that they're like a playoff contender except for me? Is anyone for that the final el- playoff spot? Yeah. For, am I am I on an island? Am final. I on Browns Island?
3: No. They're, Brown's they're island. Definitely, <sighs> they'll, comp- they'll, they'll compete for that final playoff spot. I don't know if they'll get it, but they they might make that wild card spot.
2: It would not shock me.
3: Right. Are there islands off
0: of Cleveland?
2: <laughs> in, in Lake in Erie? In the lake. In Lake Erie. In Lake Erie? Erie?
0: They're all, like, you know how Michigan has random islands? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like there's a, something called Whiskey Island, which I, I, was, I would love to be on Whiskey Island. <laughs> You're With so different. there. Cleveland Browns. You are uh, all right. On so, Baker Mayfield, Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Can someone give me a quick rundown of the quarterbacks in this division if they have Joe Burrow better than fourth in this division? Danny Kelly, expectations for Joe Burrow.
1: I mean, I like Baker Mayfield, but I think there's a chance Burrow could be better than him. I think there's a strong chance, actually. I I, I love Burrow, man. I'm I've kind of turned around, you know, over the offseason. I you know he was one of my top prospects in in the draft guide. I think he was number two overall. Um, yeah. And everything that we've heard out of camp is that he's just lighting it up. Like, looks really good, you know. And he has, for lack of a better word, like that it factor. He he's that guy.
0: Man, I feel like we all, I feel like we have all a little bit of collective amnesia. Baker Mayfield when he was a rookie had the it factor. He had the it factor until he started doing his weird did he have like, it like yeah. mechanical habits last year that Freddie Kitchens <laughs> drilled into him. I don't
1: I, Yeah.
3: It's no, it I, will I, be I get
0: hard. That. It will be hard for Joe Burrow to break the record for rookie touchdown passes set by Baker Mayfield 2 years ago. Yeah. I just don't think what? it's that much of a leap that Baker Mayfield can get where he needs to be and be better than Joe Burrow. Kalen Jones, help me, walk walk me through this.
3: No, I I kind of, I, I agree with Danny, like, ultimately. I think Burrow could end up being better than Baker Mayfield. But my biggest question with Mayfield is, like, is this who he is? Because we've had two years of him now. Don't get me wrong. Like, you mentioned the mechanics and the fact that, you know, the system didn't really placate to his full strengths last season. And he seemed a little bit off. But my my question with with Mayfield now is, you know, he's 25 years old. Like, what if this is who he is? What if this is, what if he doesn't get any better than what he is yeah. at right now? And that's my biggest question for him. I mean, obviously this year with Kevin Stefanski has a better chance of probably, you know, reaching his peak. This is a guy, Stefanski's a guy who, you know, unlocked Case Keenum in Minnesota. So there's a chance for him to unlock whatever Baker Mayfield has. It's just my my biggest question for him is, does he get better? Is there anything more there, or are we going to be, you know, talking about how the Browns wasted, you know, a lot of talent that was around him? But I think Burrow has the get back.
1: I'm generally bullish on Mayfield, at, you know, in his career, but you, you can't ignore last year. Only Jameis Winston had more clean pocket picks than uh, than yeah. Baker Mayfield. He was just man. He just wasn't good. I'm I'm
0: well aware he wasn't good I'm not trying to defend Baker Mayfield 2019 I'm trying to defend (laughs) Baker Mayfield 2020 and just say that 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 there are there's a path there that's all we're (laughs) we're not talking about Baltimore and there's a reason we're not talking about Baltimore you can probably figure that out all right AFC South Danny Kelly
1: so okay let's see here I get the Titans
0: Nora what, what is that face Nora
2: I also have the Titans.
0: <laughs> Kalen Jones. She I love like, when I
2: have a friend, you know?
0: <laughs> I have the Indianapolis Colts. I have the Indianapolis Colts too, but I'd like to pick the Houston Texans just to stir it up. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I'm, I'm no, I'm going to pick the Colts. Uh, Nora and Danny, you're on Titans Island. Nora, you start us off.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, so I think that the thing that's sort of interesting about this division, which was one of the tougher ones to pick, is you have this, Tannehill sample size and it's small and you kind of go, is that repeatable? I don't know. <laughs> but then you also look at Philip rivers who had an outlier year in the negative direction last year and go, can he rebound? Is it age? Is it needs a change of scenery? Is it, you know, is it what? Ultimately I am nervous about what the Colts have at receiver. Um, I spent some time talking to Michael Pittman Jr. earlier this off season, mm-hmm. and I really like him. I really liked him coming out. I think he's a really, really interesting player. And one of the more sort of like pro ready, you know, could contribute mm-hmm. right away. But I came away with this feeling of, wow, this guy needs to be ready to be an NFL receiver kind of right off the bat for this team. And he was talking about like, he's so fun. And he was just talking about having only met rivers a couple times and Mm -hmm. having a hard time telling that he's not a coach and accidentally calling him coach and, and all this stuff that just made me think like, uh, I'd rather have an established connection with AJ Brown than be working with this. And I like, I like the continuity that the Titans have. I think, I mean, we've talked about Arthur Smith. Like, I, I just think that that's a smartly designed, offense that was never asking Tannehill to be too much more than he can be. So even if it's not, you know, he's not going to be one of the most efficient quarterbacks in football again, necessarily, but I think he could be good enough. And I just like, you know, I like that they're going after Clowney, by the way, I like a team that Mm -hmm. sort of believes in itself and thinks that it's clearly in its window. So I just, I'm feeling those good Good
0: Titans vibes. I agree. I, I like the Titans. I will say Arthur Smith is, will in 10 years be the only person in the NFL with more money than Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> which I think is important to note. Although Dave Gettleman hasn't been able to play a running back lately. So we'll just, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on I, that. All right. I
2: FedExed some stuff this morning. So you're welcome, <laughs> Arthur.
0: Welcome, Arthur Smith. Uh, all right. So here's, here's my, my take. Generally on this, I really like the Titans. I like their continuity. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to have Mahomesian numbers as he did last year. I think the efficiency will go down a little bit, but I, I still like between Arthur Smith and Tannehill and the infrastructure and the line and AJ Brown breaking tackles. That's that's a good team to me. But they've been nine and seven for a number of years. And but the fact they showed me something obviously by beating uh, by beating Baltimore by going up double digits in Kansas City. I was at that game. I mean that was. I feel like because Mahomes' comebacks feel so normal now, we probably didn't give the credit that that uh, the Titans deserve to them. And I, I think this is a very competitive division. And I'd like to say a word for Houston, who I think, and I've said this on a million podcasts offseason, have been consistently undervalued by fans and the books because Bill O'Brien seems like sort of sort of overwhelmed as a GM, and he is, and he doesn't understand value, but that doesn't mean that the 2020 roster and the 2020 coaching staff and the 2020 quarterback can't win this division. I think that that's, th- there's a real path there. But I'm I'm all in an Indianapolis, and I think that that putting Philip Rivers in that situation uh, where he doesn't have to be over-competitive Phil and throwing it into tighter windows than he should, trying to put the team on his back, whatever, putting him behind a good line, great offensive head coach, I I just I see this working out really well. Kalen, break it down.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. And when you add Philip Rivers to this offense, I think they they were seventh in rushing offensive DVOA last year, but they were twenty fourth in passing DVOA. And you know, Nora pointed out that for Rivers, it was an outlier year. I think putting him into an efficient offense yes. where you have an established rushing game will do a you know wonders for him, especially because behind that offensive line, which arguably one of the best in the league. And then you look at the defense. I think that, you know, their front seven, what they have in the Forest Buckner, Justin Houston, adding them to that defense. I think that's going to, you know, help them improve this year. And it's a winnable division. I think that the Colts don't have to do as much as probably other teams do. It's going to be a competitive division. But at the end of the day, the, the peak, you know, of the Titans or, you know, the Texans isn't as high as what, you know, the Chiefs or the Ravens is. And I think the Colts have a really good opportunity to sneak in and probably win that. Danny,
0: how close is this division? Like one through okay. Let's let, let's remove the Jaguars, who are doing their own thing. <laughs> Not in this discussion. <laughs> one through yep. three, you have Tennessee first. You yeah. have Indy I have second, the Colts and second. then okay, I have the Colts and have second, Houston. and then I but have. But how Houston, how close is that?
1: Very close. I I do, I agree with you that I think that Houston. I mean. Yeah, just look at their history. Look at Bill O'Brien's history in terms of getting, like, what he's gotten out of his rosters. You know, uh-huh. we can talk about his GM skills, but you know, he's he's done a really good job, you know, consistently getting this team to compete. Um, so it was very that was the hardest decision actually I think for me as to whether, like, how to how to like make this hierarchy. Um, I ended up going yeah, but I ended up going Titans first, Colts second, and, and I think to your guys' discussion, the Colts have the easiest schedule according to Football Outsiders projections. Um, and the Titans have, like, the fourth easiest. So those things definitely work in their favor. I actually see the Colts and Titans as two very similar teams. I bet they're going to try and do, like, very similar things, like very tough on defense, um, run the ball a lot, use their, you know, running backs to take some pressure off of their quarterbacks, maybe play action. Um, So, yeah, I just think these two teams are kind of built similarly, and ultimately they have easy schedules. They're going to, and I, and yeah, so I think that those are the two that are going to come out of there.
0: Nora, who's second in this division?
2: The Colts. I have them making the playoffs.
0: Okay. And then anything there with the Texans?
2: It's again, it's just, I think this, I mean, maybe the, maybe the AFC North is sort of like a, a tighter division. I don't know. In the AFC, it would be either the North or the South to me, but I, just like you said, I think there's a, a lot to like about the Texans. I sort of, There's something that feels fundamentally wrong about us saying, oh, Deshaun Watson, like, get out. You're not a part of this picture. But Mm -hmm. I like the other two teams better. Um, I just, I I think that they're overall sturdier. I I have um, an innate sense of fear when it comes to the Texans defense. (laughs) It's terrifying.
0: I don't blame you on that. I'm just—I'm not picking the Texans as a playoff team. I'm just saying I'm not counting out Deshaun Watson in, in the prime of his career. Nor and am I. I. think that I think he's really good. All right. Hot take. AFC West, again, not seeing a lot of variance here, but we'll get into the nuance. Danny Kelly, start us off. Chiefs. Nora. Chiefs. Kalen Jones. Chiefs. Okay, let's get that—we've got that out of the way, and we can talk about the Chiefs with the Super Bowl. Uh, Nora, anything going on in this division with uh, another team that has the potential to make the playoffs? No. Perfect. That's exactly what we want here on uh, (laughs) on the Ring NFL show. Danny Kelly.
1: (laughs) I want to make arguments for both the Broncos and Raiders to potentially... Oh my goodness gracious.
0: (laughs) All right. Danny Kelly pandering to Broncos Twitter. <laughs> Drew Locke. take us home, Danny.
1: It's not necessarily because of Drew Locke, actually. I mean, oh, I do. I, I think oh no! Now,
0: now you've ruined all your goodwill. With, they have such a good group. Cortland Sutton, do. you
1: know, I think is going to be an elite receiver. Jerry Judy there, uh, Noah Fant, love that guy. I think that mm-hmm. they'll do a good job. Uh, Pat Shermer will do a good job of kind of just like using Locke to distribute the ball and get his playmakers going. But I do like their defense. I think their defense is really interesting. You know. um Obviously, Von Miller has a chance to be a completely dominant player again. Um, they quietly got Drell Casey over the offseason, which...
0: They sh- I, w- I thought was good value. And you know. people would love to dunk on John Elway, and a lot of that's justified. But I think he did some good business this offseason.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he's he's yeah. that's one of the most underrated moves, I think, of the entire offseason. Bradley Chubb is coming back. Um, you know, very exciting uh, pass rusher to, to kind of go across from Miller. And they also have a good secondary. So... I don't know. I just think, you know, their defense is good enough to, you know, keep them in games. And if their offense takes a jump, and I think it will, then they'll be competitive. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but I, I do see them as a like a hard out kind of thing. Like they're not going to be easy to beat.
0: Kalen, uh, any any of the three teams have any path, in your opinion, to, to the playoffs here?
3: Um, I agree with Danny that yeah. I think you can make a slimmer case for the Raiders. But like like you mentioned, like the Broncos have the pieces when you look at their roster, to be frisky. like, yep. And I think we we saw it with the Titans last year. They were able to sneak in because of their defense, because their quarterback didn't make any mistakes, and the running game was pretty good. I don't think Denver's running game is nearly as good. But when you look at the passing game aspect, they have the potential to, you know, this would be like a quantum leap in terms of development, but they can score with anybody potentially. And their defense, they have elite pass rushers on both on both ends. And they have a really dominant secondary, or at least potentially. So
2: There's a Broncos thing going on where, you know, we're talking about, we've talked about hype coming a year too early. That That's my thing. It's just, yeah. it, it's not, I don't think it's going to be this year. And I think they've done, I think John Elway has done some really smart business in particular in getting that roster a little bit younger. They were 14th in football outsiders, snap-weighted age in 2017 on offense. Yeah. And then 18th in 2018, 30th last season. And so they have a younger roster, really promising talent. And they've also just, they're playing a more modern brand of football too. Like when Drew Locke started playing, how refreshing was it to see a quarterback who could actually, you know, move around a little bit outside the pocket.
0: Replacing Joe Flacco is almost a cheat code. Like if you, you, it's really, I mean, it's not, a million. I love. I love the guy. I love the guy who's on Slow News Day next week. But it's a little bit like replacing Jeff Fisher, where there's a, a bit of just a bounce from just not being Jeff Fisher, right?
2: It's like the opposite of you know if you're friends with some modely type, people are like, oh, I hate being in photos next to her. Like it's brutal. Right. The opposite of that.
0: But anyway, uh, I just anything. Anything. Oh, no, I'll stop right there. Anything you want to unpack there?
2: <laughs> no, that wasn't
0: okay. Okay. We're not just, talking about just generalities. About our just life. generalities. Okay. No, we're just, t- there just could be anybody. I'm talking we're talking about you. Talking Kevin. In generalities.
2: I, I hate being in photographs with you because <laughs> the it's mustache. Just so... um,
0: you wrote about the Broncos for the ringer.com last week. And I, I'm curious your biggest takeaway.
2: Just that, give the guy a little bit of patience. Again, like, yeah. I just think this is a classic example of a team that had years and years of draft classes that just, Did not get them any stars, got them very few starters. And they had to kind of, you know, go through the rough process of figuring out how to, you know, there was never like a full tank there. And it was a little messy because you have this veteran contingent that wants to play one way and that wants sort of their needs met. And then you also just have the reality of this team's not ready to compete right now. And that rebuild, I think, has sort of been in in fits and starts a little bit, but because of the last two draft classes looking, you know, and that's early returns, but they look really good so far. They have a chance to have that roster be really solid again, Mm -hmm. but I, it just is a year too much to ask. Like Broncos Twitter (laughs) seems to think it is, but I just don't understand why we can't wait a little bit. I think a lot of it is
0: they've been mostly, irrelevant since the super bowl and i think in nfa for for a for franchise like the broncos who are used to competing i think that fan base is good antsy and i i'm not i'm not anywhere near broncos fans on the drew lock hype and and the hype just around this team but i i i find it understandable why they'd be so excited i just don't think the hype matches the production um danny kelly make your raiders case
1: <laughs> shit I was I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that
0: <laughs> you could do it in 15 seconds it's fine you don't have to like commit to it okay here's
1: here's my take if their offense takes a big jump I think then they could compete. uh-huh and I think you know obviously they sunk a lot of resources into the offense Henry Ruggs Brian Brian Edwards in the draft uh Lynn Bowden who I really like you know Darren Waller has a chance honestly to be a star like he, he could just be like the, the yeah I think he already is soft. in yeah. some ways Definitely. I mean, and it's kind of crazy. That was like his breakout year. Cause he already just incredible. He, he looks story. like he's been around. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So, incredible story. I think it was Dan Pompey wrote a piece on, on Darren Waller. that I, I yeah. really, you guys should all read because he has an unbelievable story.
1: Yeah. The background in, in, in beating addiction and all that. Um, Josh Jacobs, one of the best running backs, I think talent wise in the NFL. So I don't know. The, yep. the, and they've always had like a good, it seems like they always have good offensive line. So, like the pieces on offense are there for them to score some points. I know that it, it, in this division it's kind of an arms race because everyone's trying to keep up with the Chiefs, and I think it's the same deal with, with as as the Broncos were. They're probably like a year away, but I guess you know if it comes a little earlier than we thought, then then they could compete. But I don't I don't really believe it in my heart, but I could see it.
0: That was an amazing amazing way to cap that off. Uh, yeah. I... <laughs> I'm in agreement with you. I think that the the Raiders are extremely intriguing. Um, I don't know. This is a little bit, you know, pseudoscience but just moving in a weird pandemic year. And yeah. I think they had a pretty... Um, set plan on how that was going to go and where they were going to have OTAs and all that stuff and when they were going to move from California and I think that uh, you know just like everybody with the weird season and the weird year um, I, I I wonder how how hard it was to to do everything this year um, but I like the talent I think Mike Mayock is a pretty good GM I think John Gruden is a better coach than we give him credit for he's almost I keep saying this in the Bill O'Brien zone where because he made some yeah. organizational mistakes we forget that he's actually a pretty good scheme coach and I think it's fine. Um, I, anybody have a case for the Chargers? I got nothing. I mean, I think Derwin James fundamentally changes the way they play, and him being out
1: just sucks. You know,
0: again, you need a million things to go right if you if you don't have an elite quarterback, and the Chargers don't have that. And I think Darwin James being injured is is the first step towards things going wrong. A- anybody else there with the Chargers, or are we all in agreement that they're kind of done this year?
3: Yeah,
2: not all at once. Kind
0: of not don't all make your case <laughs> for Ladies, the Chargers lady. at once. taste episode is brought to you by heineken heineken would like to remind you that it's time for seasonal beers again that's right if you thought a cold crisp summer heineken was something just wait until you taste the fall lineup for heineken is it a new product no just the same great tasting lager that's perfect for any season I am a Heineken drinker. There are a lot of Heineken drinkers in my family. My mom has Heineken every night. And let me tell you something. There is not a time of the year where we don't want Heineken. Whether it's Christmas, Halloween, Fourth of July, whatever it is, it's Heineken time. Heineken Original Lager is made with pure malt and our famous A-yeast, which makes Heineken an all-season, all-the-time kind of beer. So pick up a pack or get it delivered, whatever your style, and drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Bacardi Spiced Rum. Looking to spice up your game day plans? Check out Bacardi Spiced Rum for a new take on your old favorite classics, like rum and coke. Let me tell you something. Bacardi and diet gets me through a lot of games, okay? And with fall coming up, with football, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to have socially distanced gatherings, watch your favorite game, favorite team, favorite show. It's going to be exciting. There are going to be exciting game days this fall, and you can make it more exciting with Bacardi and Dime. Bacardi, do what moves you. Drink responsibly. Bacardi USA, Coral Gables, Florida. Rum with natural flavors and spices. 35% alcohol, by volume. Um, All right. Let's... Uh Let's get to the NFC East. I've been trying to play every side of this so that the Cowboys I never make a declaration on the Cowboys or the Eagles. Um, <laughs> but the last couple of days have brought this into focus. Danny Kelly. I got the Cowboys. Nora.
2: Cowboys.
0: Kalen Jones. Cowboys. All right. So I have the Cowboys too. I have a question and I'll start with you, Danny Kelly. What was your pick a month ago?
1: I think it probably still would have been the Cowboys, but the Eagles have certainly, the injury situation that they're having is, it makes me more worried about them.
0: I love the Eagles. I love the organization. I love what they did last year. I love what they did when they won the Super Bowl. I think Howie Roseman's great. I think Doug Peterson is great. I I think even their draft was better than, than we give it credit for, even though they didn't necessarily improve the team all that much for 2020. But I think the pieces were there, and the health is obviously a huge thing this year. But to lose Brandon Brooks, to lose Andre Dillard, who Adam Schickford said was, quote, dominant in camp, Brandon Brooks was, what, the fifth best player in football, according to PFF last year? I mean, that just seems, that just seems like holes you can't plug. I know Jason Peters is there, but I don't know. I, they, they, I, I changed my pick to Dallas because of that. I was hesitant because I was worried about how much Mike McCarthy could get done in a month, but I, I got to go with Dallas. Nora, what was your tiebreaker here?
2: I frankly didn't really need a tiebreaker. I mean, I think the injuries make me more confident in it, but I just, I, I think the sure. Cowboys roster is pretty just solid overall. I mean, it's hard not to feel yeah. tantalized by the idea of CeeDee Lamb jumping in the mix there. I love Jack Prescott. And I love, I kind of love the little Mike McCarthy rebrand that's been going on <laughs> over the last several months. Like
0: Analytics guru.
2: Analytics guru, rules expert element of surprise lover like i'm all about it so it's not Caitlin, it's not a tiebreaker
0: it's just that you love mike mccarthy's new persona
2: it's that i love everything that mike mccarthy's about i think it's chic and <laughs> i've been on this train since the beginning so let's go
0: i um i put out a trailer we put out a trailer cory mcconnell made it for slow news day this week and someone said that the same way that Mike McCarthy was using PFF to launder his image. Jeff Fisher is using slow news day. He just, <laughs> he's learning how to just be on a, a, a print newspaper based talk show. And that's how he's going to launch himself back into football.
2: You know what? It worked.
0: It did. It's he's back. He's back. He's the top candidate for 2021 jobs. Uh, Kalen Jones, this Cowboys team, how good can they be?
3: Uh, you know, they, they can arguably be what the third, second seed in the NFC. I think they're, they have that potential just when you look at this roster. And then the fact that, you know, Mike McCarthy, again, like this whole rebranding, the fact that he's allowing Kellen Moore to retain, you know, play calling duties, yes. I think that's big. Especially when, Kevin, like you've been hammering it home and I've been repeating it everywhere. Continuity is the name of the game this year. And so I, I think when you, and Nora mentioned it, you're adding CeeDee Lamb who will be a number three receiver, if not, you know, comparably number one. Like, there's a potential for this to become the first offense to have 3,000-yard receivers since like 2008. And I'm not saying it'll happen, but they just have so much potential offensively that I'm not sure if, you know, there was ever a question for me, at least, whether or not they were going to be better than the Eagles.
2: Just a note on Kellen Moore staying the play caller. I'm mostly being tongue-in-cheek about the Mike McCarthy stuff, but I do think Decisions like that where you see someone put a little bit of ego aside, mm-hmm. they make they always make me feel a lot more confident just in them getting off the runway as he yeah. transitions to being a part of that organization. So, yes, obviously not having the names on the jerseys and stuff, like it's it's floopy stuff, it's not gonna make a difference in wins and losses. I do think having that sort of continuity and also just the buy-in that comes from not barreling into an organization and saying, I know how to do everything right. You guys don't. We're going to change everything up. Like, that's actually valuable. That's yep. that's a real thing. So, it's not all silly stuff.
0: All right. Anybody have a case that the Giants are anything other than the third best team in this division?
2: No. Excellent.
0: I love it. That, <laughs> that, was, that, was, an, that was an IQ test. <laughs> Just see how it's going. Um, all right. I, yeah, so we're all in agreement on Dallas. I think that the, it probably... It just makes sense. They've they've got a good roster. Dak Prescott's a good quarterback, and and I, I wanna I wanna believe in Philadelphia, but it's it's just not happening.
1: They feel like the Chiefs of the NFC. If like there's no Chiefs, you know, of the NFC, but if there's any team that's going to be the best, the...
0: I wish the listener could see my face right
1: now. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're, I'm not mad. I'm just sneering? disappointed. You're sneering at me.
0: I'm just I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. All right, make your case.
1: <laughs> so the cowboys had the most yards most yards per play last year then they added CeeDee lamb um in theory they're going to you know uh they're going to get a m- more effective uh better ezekiel Elliott this year i don't know for that for the, for oh, sure wow. but like he he came in he i think he admitted he came in a little bit like not at peak performance last year um you know i just think the the, the way that they are able to score points move the ball in the way that the Chiefs are just like a buzzsaw, you just can't like you can't keep up with them. That's what I'm saying. Like the Cowboys have a chance to be that kind of team where they're just gonna score more points. Like it's just gonna be really hard to keep up with them.
0: I understand what you're saying spiritually about them <laughs> being your heart? Chiefs-esque. Yeah.
2: Emotionally, but I don't but metaphysically. I,
0: they the Chiefs have the best quarterback and play caller in football.
1: I know. I'm not saying they're the Chiefs. And the Cowboys
0: yeah. don't have the best quarterback and don't have the best play caller. So that I that's agree. why that was why I I recoiled a little bit when you you mentioned <laughs> that's fair. The Chiefs keep me in check, man. Keep me in check. Yeah.
2: What do you think Ceedee Lamb would would say to being told that he is the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire
0: yeah. of the <laughs> NFC, the Hardman? The, hard the hard, you're a Hardman. I. uh Listen to Bob Sturm, who came on the Ring NFL show on Friday. Uh, great, great breakdown of the Cowboys and their expectations. What we can expect. And I think sometimes uh, coaches get bounces just by not being the other guy. Kind of the uh, the Drew Lock, Joe Flacco thing. Kevin Stefanski with Freddie Kitchens, and Mike McCarthy's not Jason Garrett. And I think there's there's something to that. Okay, all right. NFC North, Green Bay, the favorites. Uh, actually pretty close to Minnesota, actually. And in some books, Minnesota is the favorite. Um, and that flipped from the opening line um, in the place where Minnesota is a favorite. Uh, Detroit plus 450 and Chicago plus 400. NFC North, Nor Princiati.
2: Vikings. Kalen.
3: Vikings.
0: Whoa, Danny Kelly. I got the Packers. Yeah, I had the Packers too. I... Let's just start out with... with the, the team Vikings over here. Kalen Jones.
3: So, look, obviously, Stefan Diggs losing him is a big, huge loss for their offense. Kevin the play caller, that's an even bigger loss. But when you talk about what they're bringing in, Gary Kubiak is going to be their offensive coordinator, what he was able to get out of, you know, Matt Schaub in Houston. You know, it'll be a pretty yes. similar offense when you talk about the play-action game. I don't think that they'll be, at least offensively, very too far away from what they were doing before. But defensively, I think that the addition of Yannick Ngakwe and addition in, in tandem with what they already have in Danielle Hunter along that defensive line is going to be massive. I think their secondary, what they have in Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith in that, in the deep secondary at safety, I think their defense is going to allow them to, you know, not only just compete, but I think ultimately it'll allow them to, again, cohesiveness and continuity going into next year. I think that they have it. And I think that they have a lot of talent on that defensive side of the ball that makes that kind of separates and makes the difference in this. And the fact that they were able to retain Riley Reef at left tackle, um, I think that kind of puts them over the edge for me this year.
2: Nora. So, Kevin, you and I had a conversation a couple of pods ago where we touched on the downward trajectory of the Jacksonville Jaguars and also why I don't run the Baltimore Ravens.
0: I'm already, I'm already deeply into this conversation that starts with the 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 Vikings and Packers tiebreaker that involves the Jacksonville Jaguars. Go ahead.
2: So if there's one thing that that is relevant to the dissolution of the the good Jaguars, it's misjudging where your roster is. It's it's kidding Mm -hmm. yourself about a player that you spent draft Mm -hmm. capital on and not having a realistic idea of where you are. We also talked about why I don't run the Ravens, which is basically because I would not be good at that.
0: Quite bad. (laughs) All
2: of us. I believe that the Vikings are run by smart people. And when they traded for Ngakwe, I said, they're going for it. And I should listen to them because they think that they are in a position to take a swing and to be a really competitive team. And I trust them. And I think that it's a relatively, you know, it's it's not a huge, huge gap between them and the Packers, but there are some, you know, you talk about sort of like the key regression red flags, eight and one-on-one score games, plus 12 in the turnover differential. Yes. Some things that it would be only natural if the Packers did not get the same amount of breaks that they got last mm. year. So the way that I feel is that, I think the Packers team, at least, you know, in terms of the final record, is not going to be as good. And everything that I see the Vikings doing tells me that they believe that their roster is really good and I trust them. So
0: I think that there are two ways to look at this. I've gone back and forth between the Vikings and the Packers all offseason. And there are times I've said that the Vikings are better than the Packers and the time said the Packers are better than the Vikings. I think that. There's going to be a little more to work in with the Vikings. I think it's really important they kept Riley Reef. I'm I'm excited about that. You don't want to yeah. hole in your offensive line a week before the season starts. The Ngakwe trade was awesome. I just think the Packers roster in for 2020 is a little, a little better. And I don't think there is a Super Bowl contender. In in the NFC North, I, I think that both these teams are really good, but they're really good for the NFC North. I don't think they're going to quite get there. We saw what happened when a really good Packers team for the, the, the best version of this Packers team last year went into San Francisco last year. And we saw what happened twice. And I don't think they've done much to address that. I think even though, strangely, they've tried to become schematically the 49ers with some of their draft picks this year. I think that's more of a long-term project. Still like the defense, like some of the signings they made last year that carry over into this year. Both double-digit win teams, in my opinion. Danny Kelly, how'd you make your decision?
1: (laughs) I've been thinking this whole time about how I would argue the Packers over the Vikings. It's very difficult. They're very, very close to me um, in terms of, like, projection. You know, you talk about the Vikings having a really good pass-rushing duo and the, pa- the, the Packers have a really good pass-rushing duo and Preston Smith and Darius mm-hmm. Smith. You know, they have a very good interior defensive line. Kenny Clark, very good player. And, you know, I think that their defense has a chance to be to take a jump. I do like some of the talent they have in their secondary. Jair Alexander, um, Darnell Savage, you know, he had a really exciting rookie year last year at, at times. So their their defense could make a jump. And I don't know, like, honestly, I don't have a strong, strong take on Vikings over Packers. I just went with Packers because, I don't know, I just feel like, I guess I feel a little, little bit more confident in them just overall. But, um, you know, you could even go to like right to the quarterback situation. Like, I don't even necessarily feel like way more confident in Rogers over Cousins anymore at this point, though. Um, you know, that that's probably a controversial take.
0: <laughs> Would you...
1: Like to expand on that take? <laughs> no, no. I'm good. I'm okay.
2: <laughs> because he will find you and take you down, which yeah. is why you All should right. believe. I mean, I know I picked the Vikings, but
0: very uh. quickly. We'll start with you, Nora. Uh the third best team in this division is who?
2: Oh, the Lions. Oh, this is horrible. Lions it's have a better quarterback. Okay, okay. The Lions, the Lions have a better quarterback. It's the Lions. Lions
0: have a better quarterback. The Lions. I, I think that Ill. Matt Nagy's, that Matt Nagy's probably a better coach than Matt Patricia. Yes. And better play caller than Daryl Bevel. But I think the Bears have a better roster. I don't really know.
2: Bowles and Trubisky, they're, each one is struggling yeah. to distinguish himself from the other. I'm aware. And I'm just telling you. making it, me but nervous.
0: But Stafford is not. I love, This is a Matthew Stafford podcast. This is a Matthew Stafford narrative podcast. Halen Jones, what's your answer?
3: Man, this sucks because you know I'm kind of a Matt Stafford homer, but I I I agree with you, Kevin. Like I think the Bears top the bottom, you know, outside the quarterback situation, which I'm trying really hard not to understate the quarterback situation in Chicago. But I mean, they they just have a better roster. I I think they're just more talented top the bottom than Detroit. Mm -hmm. But I do think Stafford can you know make things interesting, and I would not be surprised at all if Detroit is you know better than Chicago is this year.
2: To be clear, I think a lot of parts of the Bears roster are better than than a lot of parts of the Lions roster too.
3: Danny Kelly. <laughs> uh
1: I'm giving I'm giving the Bears a slight edge. I was just thinking this. Last year the Lions started, I believe. Were they four and four or three, four and one? Three maybe, four something and one. like one yeah. yeah, three, four and one. The Bears, They're
0: playing good football. They had that they had that weird ass game in Arizona. Yeah.
1: It just that like, was a weird game. Come on. So and I kind of see them again as like a 500ish team. I see they see the Bears probably around the same. Yeah. So
0: I that's mine too. Yeah. They're both seven win teams for me. Yeah. I'm not but I just think it's interesting philosophical discussion.
1: Bears have a better defense. I think the Lions offense is actually going to be really good this year and that could kind of, you know, keep them in in the middle in the middle of the pack.
0: NFC South. Favorites are the New Orleans Saints -105, +145 for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Atlanta plus 650 or 950 in some books. And then Carolina is plus 2,000 or plus 1,800, depending on where you bet it. And I do not recommend betting Carolina. Kalen Jones, NFC South.
3: Um, so my pick is kind of dependent on Davian Clowney, whether or not he signs with the Saints yeah. or not. Um, right now I'm picking the Bucks, but if Clowney signs with the Saints, then I'm picking the Saints.
2: Sorry.
0: Straddling a fence based on one <laughs> defensive player.
2: It's, it's a, a choice point. It's Also, It's based on the saints, like shaking out their couch cushions. Like what yeah. money? <laughs> I,
3: I need lo- them I to manage the my saints. finances. Cause that would I
0: be love, long. actually I don't recommend that. <laughs> I do not recommend that this is if you're from like the, the, the saints, I don't want to look under behind the curtain of the saints' finances and see, it is probably the most stressful. Like you ever watch uncut gems where they're just, just, just tension on tension, on tension, <laughs> on tension, on tension? Like, that is, when a team is up against it on the cap, I imagine this is the Chiefs, this is the Vikings, this is the Saints. I just imagine just everybody's tense, being like, man, I hope we have enough money to afford the players we have. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy how, like, th- there are multiple teams next year that are, like, anywhere from 40 to $70 million over the cap. It's like, how do you function <laughs> like that? <laughs> Student um, loans,
3: essentially. That's what it is. Okay.
0: Student loans. <laughs>
2: I heard a story the other night about, uh, some people that somebody I know knows got a really nice house and everyone was like, yeah. Whoa, that's a nice house. And then people started digging into it. And you realize that, you know, the, the percentage money down was like, yikes, you two better stay yeah. together. And that is how it feels.
0: <laughs> Get some roommates.
2: Looking at the state's salary. For
0: more information, I recommended the Bob Sturm podcast for the Cowboys fans. For more information on the Saints salary cap, I recommend a movie called The Big Short, um, (laughs) starring Stephen Carell. uh, And you can just learn more about how they're able to kick the can down the road. Uh, Danny Kelly, this division. I'm going with Saints. Noah Princiati.
2: I, too, picked the Ponzi scheme team.
0: (laughs) Okay. I think I, I think we're all in agreement here. I like the Saints. This is a Sean Payton choice, Drew Brees choice. The infrastructure there, it's just too good. I, I think that they're, you know, I was saying this the other day when I was talking to the PFF guys, but there are four teams that are over-under as double digits uh, for wins. And I think the Saints are actually the worst team of that group, but that means they're still pretty good. Um, I don't think they're on the level with the Chiefs and the Ravens and even the 49ers. Uh, they lost the Vikings in the playoffs last year, the aforementioned Vikings. Um, but I just don't, I don't think Tampa Bay is there. And I think that in a different offseason where Tom Brady is able to do Tom Brady things, I think there's a different conversation. Nora, having been around Tom Brady, having written about the Bucks for the ringer.com in the last couple of weeks, I guess this week, whatever you want to call it, I've lost all sense of time. Uh, your thought process on the Bucs is what?
2: I think that they will have a, a very good offense. I think, you know, so when I wrote about Tom Brady was sort of taking a look back at the football that he played even before that he was in the, before he was in the NFL and talking to, you know, people he played with in high school and thinking about what he was doing and just the football that he grew up thinking about and watching. What struck me was that he, you know, things are starting to change with how much college concepts and, and athleticism have been prized at the quarterback position. So this is more true when you think of the whole span of Tom Brady's career than when you think of 2020. But what struck me was that he just, he was made into the ideal quarterback for the era of the NFL that he entered and it made him uniquely adaptable. Mm -hmm. So there could be all of these offensive innovations that could sort of come out through him and happen around him. And his ability to just throw the passes that are staples for all NFL offenses, no matter, you know, scheme to scheme, it's helped him have this incredible career. And I think that that still applies as he switches teams. I'm not terribly concerned about, you know, unless his arm is, is shot at the age of 43, which I just don't think that it is. I'm not concerned about Bruce Arians wanting him to push the ball downfield more than he's been used to in New England. Those things are not, you know, they just don't strike me as things that would be difficult for Tom Brady to crack the code on. I actually think that he's going to be delighted that he has some new receivers who are (laughs) potentially better suited to take advantage of those throws than he's been working with for the last couple of years. I just think that... They, I have them making the playoffs, but it's it's unproven ultimately. It's just kind of like a show me thing
0: it's it's no one has reinvented himself, as you said, more than Tom Brady. No one has bent the era to his will more than Tom Brady. And you wonder, and I think that this shows how much of a unicorn, how much how many unicorns are in that generation of quarterbacks that we are taking for granted that their arms are going to be fine, whether that's breeze who's over 40 Brady, who's 43. Like the fact that we're just like, ah, oh, they're going to be fine at this advanced age shows you how amazing they are. Um, I think any other player would be doubting maybe the other generation of players would be doubting, um, out of hand. And, and the fact that we assume they're both going to be elite is, is, is pretty amazing to me. And the fact that they're, they're supporting cast will help them. And I think that that wasn't the case last year in new England. It's always been the case in, in new Orleans. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that shakes out, but I, I have, uh, I have the saints. And then obviously the Bucks is a playoff team. Janet Kelly, how close of a choice was this for you?
1: It wasn't that close. It was, this one was pretty easy for me. I just think the saints are so balanced, you know, so good on defense, yeah. so good on offense. They have good coaching. You know, I just think it, it was a pretty easy choice for me. Um, I do think the Buccaneers are going to be really good, though. I think they're,
0: you know. I agree with you. Yeah.
1: I think it's going to be, that's going to be a really fun division. And the Buccaneers, I think, underratedly have a very good defense also. Um, you know, I was just thinking about, like, their defensive line. Ndamukong Su, Vida Veya, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, they also mm-hmm. have uh Shaq Barrett who kind of emerged last year as a, a really good pass rusher. Their their secondary is really young and, and um, you know, they have a lot of like potential playmakers in their secondary. So yeah, I think overall they're really, really set up well for, you know, a, a run at this thing. And um, but to me there's just too many moving parts. You know, their offense is gonna be completely different. Their their philosophy, their style might be completely different than what we saw with Jameis Winston, obviously. So, um, that's just kind of like the only thing that's keeping me from really planting my flag with the Bucks is just we haven't seen it yet.
0: All right, real quick. Any cases for Atlanta as a playoff team? I think that their continuity and just the advantage they have Mm -hmm. with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones will get them to nine wins. I just think it's a bad year to be the Falcons. I just think that they're up against it with this division, and there's just it's a noble team and and good team, good roster building and all that, but it's just it's I don't just don't think there's a path there. All right, last division before we get to the playoff picks, NFC West. The favorite is the San Francisco 49ers. Last year's Super Bowl team. Came very close to winning the Super Bowl. Got mahomes uh, Second favorite, <laughs> Seattle. And then, uh, depending on where you look, uh, either tied or a slight favorite to the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Danny Kelly,
1: I got the 49ers winning the division.
0: Norah prince
2: 49ers.
0: Kalen Jones. 49ers. So I do too. Do we all have Seattle as a playoff team? or is there someone who does not?
2: Yes. I do. I do.
0: Okay. Danny, how if we run this 100 times, hunt <laughs> season 100 times, how often does Seattle win? Uh
1: maybe like a quarter? Maybe 25% or so? I think that they are going to be really good on offense and that's going to be kind of their foundation. Their defense is a huge question mark to me though. Um you know, that's kind of like the what could put them over the top if their defense is better than expected. They don't have a very established pass rush group. Um Bruce Irvin is kind of like the only guy that's really established in that group right now, they got Rasheem green. Who's, mm-hmm. you know, shown some flashes. LJ Collier did absolutely nothing as a rookie. Um, but you know, obviously they made the big trade for Jamal Adams over the off season. He's had incredible hype in training camp. Um, the stuff that I'm kind of like hearing behind the scenes is that he's <laughs> like fucking amazing basically. So, um, yes, that's exciting. And and he could change the, the whole complexion of their defense potentially, but um, I'm not necessarily there yet with that defense. I think their defense could be an issue, especially just because of the pass rush situation. But I'm confident in that offense. This is like a 10-win team every season, you know, Russell Wilson. So um, I think, yeah, if you run the simulation 100 times, there's definitely some situations where the CX will be the you know top team in the NFC
0: West. Nora, what are your takeaways Mr. Vision? division?
2: I would even say more than... You know, if, if I ran that simulation, it would be more than a quarter of the time, like 35, 40% maybe. That's I not mean, how
0: simulations work. If she ran it.
2: <laughs> I run the Baltimore Ravens and I run the simulation. And, and, and the NFC and the <laughs> NFC
0: West simulation. When, when are you going to pick which, up on how this goes, just, She just games it until it gets to be 35%. In
2: well, my unskewed,
0: simulation. She, she, Nora runs unskewed polls. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: Just, you know, I, I, just think Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a wonderful young man, but not quite at that level. So it, it made it hard to choose this division, but I mean, I just think that one Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to do some stuff against defenses that haven't had a lot of time to prepare this off season that I think is going to, you know, he's going to clown some people. And there's all the continuity in the world there. Uh, We'll, my biggest question would be the secondary. We'll see. They've obviously been really good, but, you know, Sherman's older. And and I wonder if, if that could fall off a little bit, Um, but obviously an incredible pass rush. And I think that they can pick up where they left off.
0: Kaylin, anything to the Rams or the Cardinals, or is this just the two horse race that we all think it is?
3: Ooh, um, that's a good question because, like, I I kind of like I like the Cardinals a lot. Obviously, they're the I feel like the off-season hyped up team within that division, kind of similar to the Broncos. Uh, where in the AFC you have this really young team or at least a core that's really intriguing, and then you add DeAndre Hopkins yes. to their passing game, arguably one of the best receivers in the game. Um, they have something there, and I again I I don't think that it, it would surprise me if they you know snuck into the playoffs somehow, but I'll I'll be a little bit more tempered this time. Like I I think I won't put them a year too early. You know, I think maybe a year or two from now. And then with the Rams, they just have a veteran unit, but they've just lost so much. You know, I I think they were built to win. You know, two years ago, and we've seen what's happened since they failed to do so.
0: Good breakdown of the Rams with Peter Schrager on last week's pod. Um, Their expectations are quite high. um, From you know, he's he's talking to them a lot. He's doing a show with them for Hard Knocks. And he thinks that they think they're positioned position for a Super Bowl. And I think that when you look at the blue chip talent and the coaching, I agree. But I don't think that one through fifty-three they they have a a division winning roster, especially when you have Kyle Shanahan and and, and that roster. Um and so much certainty now that, that George Kittle is around. Um for, for what, five more years, um they made that trade. The offseason to retool the defensive line. I, I I think I know what I'm getting with San Francisco. All right. Did we all identify our wild card teams throughout here? So let's just um quickly before we get to our Super Bowl participants and winners, uh outline who we think is going to be the wild card teams, uh the three wildcard teams. Danny.
1: So my wild cards in the AFC are the Steelers, Patriots, and Colts. And in the NFC, I have the Buccaneers, Seahawks, and the Rams. Maybe that's a surprise. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Can you, can you take us through that for a second?
1: I feel like I'm, I'm higher than a lot of people on the Rams. I think their offense is going
0: to D- be, yes, yes. That just happened. <laughs> we just confirmed that. Go ahead.
1: I think their offense is going to not necessarily be what we saw a couple of years ago, but I think their offense is going to be good. I think they, they have um, Sean McVay is going to come up with a plan to kind of mitigate the offensive line issues that they had last year that really held them back. I think Goff is going to regress positively sort of to where he was two years ago. Um, I think, you know, frankly, having a running back who's better than Todd Gurley is going to be good because they the run game is a, such a foundation of that offense and play action and everything. I, I do feel like Gurley maybe was holding that back a little. And so overall, I just like this Rams, you know, offense a lot. And then defensively, you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So that's not like you said, the one to fit one to 53. They're not the deepest team, I don't think, but. Yeah. You know, you have two superstar defenders on that defense, and that could be enough to get them sort of like to the middle of the pack and, and be good enough to make them a playoff team. I mean, they won nine games last year. And I feel like everyone's saying that, you know, they're they're not
3: tanking necessarily, but they're going in the wrong direction. I still think they're a competitor.
0: Kalen Jones, wild cards very quickly.
3: Uh in the AFC out yeah, the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Houston Texans. And Ooh. Indiana, yeah. Yeah. The Titans are out. Oh yeah, no, I I don't have the time. I think again, Ryan. Right, I think Ryan Tannehill regresses, but very quickly. Like my point with the Texans is that I think they Sean Watson with the receiving. Granted, they lost uh, DeAndre Hopkins, but look at the receiving core he has now: Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, if he could stay healthy, and Randall Cobb. And in addition to that, you have David Johnson, who's a pretty good weapon when he's healthy. You know, I, I don't know if he'll ever be at the All Pro level that he was a few years ago, but. Again, like we talk about, you know how important the quarterback position, how much of a difference it can make. I think this is the year that you know Deshaun Watson kind of entrenches himself as you know in that upper echelon, maybe not elite, elite, but he'll be in that top uh, quarterback conversation. And then the NFC, I have the Saints, uh, the Seahawks, and the Packers. Interesting. Okay. Nora Pinciotti.
2: In the AFC, I have the Steelers, Colts, and Patriots. In the NFC, I have the Seahawks, Bucks, and Packers.
0: Interesting. Okay. In the AFC, I have New England, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. (laughs) Yeah. I have Cleveland making the playoffs. In the NFC, I have Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Seattle. Sorry, sorry, Eagles. I wanted to pick you for the Super Bowl like I always do every single year. No, I'm just not doing it. All right, we have a few minutes. We're going to get to our Super Bowl picks. Participants and winners, Nora Princiati. All
2: right, so I have the Saints winning a Chiefs Saints Super Bowl.
3: Ooh. Kalen Jones. I have the Chiefs and the Bucks, and I have the Chiefs winning. Danny Kelly. <laughs> Chiefs,
1: Chiefs over Saints. I went the, like the chalkiest one.
3: I don't think that's chalky.
0: Uh, Ravens. For me, Ravens beating the San Francisco Ah, 49ers. That's fun. (laughs) It is. It is. It would be incredible to have Lamar Jackson another season against flat footed defenders who, against defenses that haven't caught up with them because they're on Zoom. Like, I just, I feel like the the, the possibility is there. Nora, defend your pick.
2: Uh, I think the Saints have a better defense, and I think it's hard to repeat.
0: Uh, what, and then the Chiefs in the AFC as well. What, what what's the pathway there aside from oh. just doing what they did last year? Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I think that's the pathway. Yeah.
0: yeah. Having the best it's play caller awesome. and quarterback in football, and then doing that again, remaining the is what you being are, awesome. Stay what you are, saves the day. It's uh, it, it, there's there's not a lot that needs to go right for them. Um, and I think that with my Baltimore pick, I think that's has a little bit to do with just sort of the moves they made. I mean, I, I really like guys like Clays Campbell. And that's what smart teams do. And and by the way, that's just going to keep happening. You know, I mean we saw that with the Marcus Peters thing. They they take advantage of value. And even though this is a, a weird stilted year, I think the Ravens might get better over the course of the season because they have one of the best GMs in football. So um it's not just what they have it's not just what they've done. It's what they have the capability to do.
3: Um, and I just, you know, I
0: don't know. I, I just feel like this, this roster is ready. Kalen Jones, uh, explain your pick.
3: I picked the Bucks because again, I think just the fact that you have Tom Brady leading that offense, um, I think that they'll find a way to, you know, if it comes to them playing the saints or whoever else in the NFC championship game, and especially if it's the Niners, I think their run defense, when you talk about yeah. Vita Vea, the front seven, I think they're, they would match up pretty well against San Francisco, at least, uh, off against their uh, San Francisco's offense. So. I think that they would uh, push the Super Bowl, but I, I picked the Chiefs ultimately, again, because Patrick Mahomes, like in one word, like <laughs> yeah. or one, one player, yeah. it's Patrick Mahomes. like yeah. there's... <laughs> and, and, and
0: chalk, chalk is going to be important this year. And because exactly what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, like you don't want to be trying to get better or establishing a culture or anything like that in 14-packed practices. And I think there's probably a reason we're not going out on limbs here. Uh, we're picking Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees and Lamar Jackson. And there are reasons for that. Danny Kelly, defender pick.
1: Yeah. I went with the chiefs because you know, they're just the there's so it's so many things have to go wrong for the chiefs to lose. I feel like, you know what I mean? Yep. And they're, they're one of those things. I think the Ravens are exactly the same. We, like if you look at the Ravens, uh, you know, playoff loss last year, like 12 things had to go completely haywire for them to like have that loss. And and I think the same could be said about the chiefs. We saw how many times they came back um, in the playoffs you know, you got Patrick Mahomes. They have a good pass rush. Chris Jones, Frank Clark. That's obviously typically been very important in the playoffs. And so, yeah, I just think, I mean, anything can happen in the NFL playoffs. But this is like you have so many things have to happen for the Chiefs to lose.
0: I don't know. I I, I just like that Ravens roster. I like Lamar Jackson in a weird year. And and this is if, if I'm right, and this is the Occam's Razor season, and the simplest explanation is the is the the, the most correct, then. Lamar Jackson just running dudes over in their face seems like a pretty easy outcome. Again, the same could be said for Mahomes, but I don't know. I, with the things I saw last year from, from Lamar Jackson, I feel like at some point you keep running these simulations, Nora, <laughs> and at some point he wins through games zero. By the way, by the way, so much of this is going to come down to seeding because only one team now gets. Yep. The the buy. Only one, you know, the home field is, is probably gonna matter so much in a year where travel is so weird. So um I think there's a lot to think about. I think that I think a lot of our preconceived notions, because we're all guessing and te- teams, by the way. When I talk to GMs or whatever, a lot of them are like, we have no idea what the season's gonna look like. And you know, everything is educated guessing, <laughs> yeah. right? And so we're just sitting here in our living rooms on September 3rd or whatever. Or December 4th and saying, hey, this is, this is what we think it's going to be like. I think weird things are going to happen, but I want Lamar Jackson running dudes over in my corner. So that's it. All right. This has been the Ringer NFL show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. On behalf of Danny Kelly, Kalen Jones, Nora Princiati. Have a good Labor Day. Have a good season. We'll be back later in the week.